0: Jared Tillman was diagnosed with pulmonary hypertension. It's a disease that affects the veins of the lungs. It thickens the walls of the veins and makes the heart work two to three times harder to try to get blood in and out of the lungs. That diagnosis, for almost everyone that receives it, is a death sentence. It's a death sentence that starts ticking from the time they get it and gives them two, maybe three years. See, Charity Tillman at that time was 20 years old. 20. And while any 20-year-old receiving a diagnosis of PH would be a tragedy, hers was exceptionally that. Because as only a 20-year-old barely into her adult life. She was one of the emerging, leading, operatic voices in the world. And so she did what anyone would do. She sought out the best and the brightest and she found a researcher, physician, who lived halfway around the world and she flew and met with her, sitting in front of her after having X-rayed and examined her lungs, this doctor looked into her eyes and said, you can never sing again. The stress that you're putting on your heart and on your lungs when you hit those high notes, it is literally going to kill you. But she didn't take that advice. You see, in her life, for her. Life wasn't just about getting breath in her lungs. Life was found when she sang. And so she went for a second opinion to the Cleveland Clinic. and They put her on a highly experimental drug. By the time she was on it, she could barely walk. Her heart had grown to three times its normal size because of how hard it was having to work to get blood into her lungs. This medication that she was on, it had to be pumped directly into her lungs through a pump that was always attached to her. She had to mix the medicine every day. One small miscalculation would have killed her, but she started to improve, and she started to sing again, and this time she debuted at the Kennedy Center, she was picked up by several major operatic uh, theaters throughout the world, she was flying from Israel to Hungary to Italy, performing on some of the biggest stages an opera singer could ever perform on until one day she collapsed after a performance in Tel Aviv she was immediately flown to John Hopkins where she was put on the wait list for a double lung transplant see most of us if we were in that situation we'd be happy about it there's an option I can live but in her own words she said this I didn't want to give up my lungs. I had spent my entire life training them. But they were killing me, so I had no option. So within a few days, they actually found a match for her. She went under the knife. And in July, or I'm sorry, in August of 2008, after a month and a half of an induced coma, Charity Tillman woke up and for the first time in years breathed deeply at ease. You see, I think that many of us are right where she was. We have been crippled by a disease that is working in our lives and in our hearts to rob us Of the life that God wants to give us. And slowly. In an ever increasing way. That disease is stealing from us. What God intends for us. And it's my prayer. That today we would have that moment. That moment where we wake up. Where we come awake from sleep, we realize that God has given us an invitation to step into a way of life that is so beyond anything we could ever imagine for ourselves. So what I'd like to do as we kind of get started today is take you back over the first few installments. If you haven't listened to the first three messages in the series, you can do so on our website, on our podcast, or on our app. All right, but I'm going to give you five statements that we pull out of there. The first one is this, is that we can sleepwalk our journey or we can be fully awakened to Jesus. You see, when we're not living God's life, we slowly and evermore fall asleep to what God wants for us. The second thing is that we need to be reminded that our decisions in life will produce either life or death our decisions will produce life or death far too often we think about the decisions that we make through the the matrix of good and bad all right we think this is a good thing this is a bad thing will this be good for me will this be bad for me and i told you a few weeks ago that we need to be reminded That it's not that. It is either God's way or it is evil. It is God or death. So let me just clear that up for you this morning. If it's not what God wants for you, it will kill you. If it's not what God wants for you, it will kill you even if you can label it good. Number three, we need to allow God to awaken a child-like wonder that lets us see this world through faith. When we think about these last few days, these snow days, how many of y'all with your kids, you got to see when they walked out into the snow, Instead of us thinking about, yeah, how am I going to get to work? I got to go show off that driveway. They just saw a world filled with opportunities to play, right? So excited. Just want to go jump in it, roll around in it, right? Because kids see the world through wonder. Wonder awakens faith in our hearts. And we need to see the world that way. Because faith in God invites us to see things that are not yet. Number four, we need to be awakened to God's voice so that he can invite us into the life he wants for us, into his life for us. There's nothing more important than learning how to hear God's voice. If you missed that message, that was the last one in the series, please go back and listen to it. And lastly, we need to be awakened to joy in both the good seasons and the difficult times. Because there are byproducts of living for God. Making the right decisions has an element that of production in our life. The Bible calls it fruit. If we're planted in Jesus, if we're keeping his commandments, our lives will bear the fruit of a disciple. Right? It's a wonderful promise to know that there are things like peace and joy that come just directly connected to our decisions to follow Jesus. So I want you to see this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This really kind of begins to examine the power of the decisions that we make in life. This is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Seek his will in all that you do. Don't lean on your own understanding. How many of y'all recognize that we all too often invert that verse no way? We ignore seeking God, and we lean on what we already understand. How many of y'all ever found yourself to be there? I find myself there all the time. All right? And that is not a good place to find yourself. All right? We, in every decision, and God cares. God cares about the little things. In every decision in life, We need to not lean on our own understanding, but to seek God's will. And he will make the path that we're supposed to go on clear to us. So what I wanted to do without the assistance of a whiteboard today, I wanted to kind of explain how all of this works to you. So look at this with me. We're on what we call the journey. That's life. And then we come to a place where God speaks to us. Now, let me clarify that for a moment. So many of you, and I, I spoke on this a few weeks ago, because so many of you have said this. God has—I've never heard God speak to me. I, I hear people say, "I heard God say this," or "I heard God say this." Have you, have you ever heard of a Bible verse that challenged the way that you think about things? You ever heard that? like forgive your enemies you read something like that you've heard God speak to you alright because God's voice is often found in God's verses so God speaks and then we have to make a decision when God speaks we have to make a decision about how we're going to respond to his voice and here's what happens If we respond in faith, we allow ourselves in wonder and faith to see what God wants us to see. To embrace the vision that God has for our life. We respond in faith, we move into life. But when we reject God, it will lead to death. Because I want to clear something up for you. If God says, forgive your enemies, and you say, no, God, that's not just you kind of abstaining. That's you sinning. That's you actively choosing to resist the will of God. And it will lead to death. Look at this verse with me. James 1 and 2. Again, focus on our decision. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. All right, those who over the course of a season in time have to walk through making the decision, the right decision over and over. Even with resistance, even with temptation, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Now look at this. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to all who love Him. When we actively choose to follow God, to make a decision to receive His Word, and to respond in faith, what happens is our lives begin to sing. It's no longer just about getting breath in the lungs, our lives sing, go beyond just. Physical existence and we live. You see, I think we need to be even more reminded that God speaks to us through his word. Would you put this graphic back up? I I, want to talk to you about that. That God speaks to us through his word. This, so many of us have been praying, God, give me a voice. God, give me a voice. I, just, I, I know that I've read that in the Bible, but I just want you to speak to me out of the air. God, could you just call down like you did when you baptized Jesus? I just, I just need that. But God has spoken to you through his word. See, think about this with me. I've known so many people that are on the journey of life and they get to this place. Where even though they're in the middle of a career that they've invested in education, they've invested training, they're they're right in the middle of it. And God speaks to them and says, I have something else for you. I have something else for you. I have a bigger calling for you. And that calling may be to leave the business world, to become a teacher. That calling may be to, to quit working for somebody and to step out and to start your own business. That may mean somebody in here that would give up a high-paying career to step into ministry. But God speaks to you. And so many people go, well, that sounds awesome, God. Let's look at the numbers. Let's look at the numbers. All right, God. This is how much money I'm making right now. Oh, this is how much I think I can make. Doing it. God, I, you know, God, I don't, I don't think you know what you're talking about. God, the numbers don't add up. I can't do that because I can't pay my bills if I do it. And you know what happens? As we reject God, all of a sudden, especially in that area of our life, death, Starts to And after years and years of being stuck in a career that we know God's called us out of, what happens? We get bitter. We hate what we're doing. We don't want to do it anymore. Think about this with me. The same thing happens when we stand in front of God's plan for our finances. That God wants us to give. God wants us to tithe. To bring that tithe, to give first to God, to bring that tenth to him and say, God, I trust you. This is my, my statement that I trust you financially. I'm going to be faithful for all of this is yours. This is your plan. I'm following you. That's God speaking to us. And then we will stand in front of that plan and have to make a decision. Will we follow God's plan and respond in faith or will we reject God? And how many of us look at that and go, eh, God, can I negotiate on that? God, what if I, what about $25 a week, God? That's consistent. That's, I mean, that's helpful, right, God? I mean, that covers the cost of my kids snacks down the hall. $25 a week. And God's saying, you the point. See, when we reject God's plan death comes and I, I promise you that over and over and over again when we work with people who are struggling financially my first response is are you tithing are you tithing because when you start to follow God what happens is life all of a sudden enters that area of your life think about it with relationships haven't y'all have been hurt by somebody every hand should go up right how does God intend for us to approach her the same way that God wants to deal with us right because we've all wounded Jesus is that we would be gracious and forgiving and we stand in front of that forgive as you want to be forgiven you've prayed that prayer enough right you know that and we have to make a decision and how many of us go God the pain is too great I don't want to forgive them and what happens? We reject God and death starts to enter our relationships. There's some of y'all that are married right now and you are carrying bitterness. Bitterness from years ago where you said, I'm not going to forgive because it was too great. Right? And what will happen is slowly and surely death will seep into your relationship. It will harden your heart. But forgiveness... What does forgiveness do? It brings life. This is vital, y'all. It is absolutely vital. And I want you to see it in this verse. It comes out of Proverbs 14. Look at this with me. This is one of the scariest verses in all the Bible. Look at what it says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There's a way that seems right to us, But if we go that way, we're going to end up dead. There's a way. And the reason that that verse is so scary is it means that you can be absolutely convinced that what you're doing is right. You can be wholeheartedly sold out to it. You can think that not forgiving is the right way to play your cards. Holding on, it's gonna it's gonna keep that that tension, it's gonna keep him in line. But you're wrong. If your plan contradicts God's plan, you're wrong. So what I want to do today is give you four things in your notes. To step in and awaken to the life that God wants us to live. To awaken to the life that God wants us to live. The number first, uh, number one, and, and these are the first two things, are things that we have to accept these two things. The first one is that we must accept that we are easily deceived. We are easily deceived. That's scary, isn't it? Think about that verse we just read. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end of that way is death. We are easily deceived. And we live in a world that that has plenty of options. And when we start talking about what to do with your money, Right, there are plenty of great financial planners that have been successful that will counter what God's plan is. But here's the thing. Right? We can be deceived by what appears to be success. If it's not God's way, it's wrong. And number two, the second part of that is that we're not as smart as we'd like to think we are. We're not as smart as we'd like to think we are. The Bible says of God that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Can I just tell you today, if you have an image of a God that you agree with everything that God has said to you, You have a God that is remarkably too small. Because all you have is a God that looks like you. If you don't have things that you're wrestling with the God has said, do this, and you're going, that doesn't make any sense. I don't want to do that. Your God is way too small. I want a God that's smarter than me. Lord, God, that's bigger than me, that has better plans than I can ever come up with. I'm not as smart as I like to think I am sometimes. John 6 36. Look at this. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. The very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Think about this with me. Isn't it awesome that the God who could do everything on his own has invited us into the process? It's like washing dishes with my kids. They don't help. They're two and four. They don't help, but they want to help. It is more work for me to let them help. But they love it, and I love it. And we need to do this. Number two, we need to accept that we cannot earn an authentic life. We cannot earn an authentic life. The kind of life that God wants for us is not something that you can ever be good enough to earn. As a matter of fact, Think about that verse we just read. The Spirit alone gives life. So we need to learn to do these two things. Number three, let's choose to focus our lives on Jesus. Choose to focus your life on Jesus. You know, the definition of focus is pretty interesting. I I love it. It's This, the focus is the center of our interest or activity. It's at the center. Around here we talk a lot about having a a Jesus-centered life. That means that we're focused in every place in our lives on Jesus. We're focused in our careers. We're focused in our families. We're focused in our finances. We're focused in our relationships. Focused on Jesus. He's central. You know, focus is defined, and I'm, I'm going to give you this, focus is defined more by time and consistency than it is by intensity. See, some of us like to think that we can get Jesus centered just by re- being all about Jesus for a little bit and then drifting away. But, but whatever's central in your life gets your time And it gets it consistently. So how can we step into being a little bit more focused on Jesus? The first thing that I would tell you is that you need to have an active prayer life. What an awesome opportunity to join together with our church for 21 days. If you didn't get one, we have prayer guides that will be handing them them out on your way out today. Pray with us together for the next week. Start to develop an active prayer life. Praying for the people that you love, the people who hold authority in your lives. Pray. And pray about you, your life. And talk to God about your relationship with him, the questions that you have. Pray. And the second thing is studying God's word. See, one of the most helpful things that we can do is what I advised you in the last message is instead of praying and seeking and saying I need a voice I need a voice shouting from heaven just saying instead God give me a verse give me a verse that answers this question and I will latch on to that and I will accept it I will hold on to it God if you'll give me a verse I'll embrace that we need to choose to focus our lives on Jesus and then Number four, we must choose to let God's Word guide our journey. We must choose to let God's Word guide our journey. Psalm 119 verse 105 says this, Your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Have y'all ever been out at night when it was dark? There wasn't enough light to see. And so these days, instead of flashlights, we use our phones, right? We shine our phone down. And you know what's interesting about that? You can't see the path. But you can see the next step. Far too many of us want God to show us the whole path. But God is saying, I'll give you the next step. Lean on me. Trust in me. I will make your path straight not you I will make your path straight let me give you the next step so let me give you two things these are not in your notes two things that we need to embrace if we're going to live this life that God wants us to live if we're going to come awake to Jesus here's the first thing Stop asking for permission to follow Jesus. Stop asking for permission. I believe that in the the people of our church... There are so many answers to the problems that we have in our community, and so many of us have sensed God's calling, and we're sitting back waiting for something to happen to give us permission to step into what we already know God's asked us to do. Can I tell you something about evil men? Evil men never ask for permission, they don't ask for permission. Before they try to sell our kids drugs. They don't ask for permission. When they hijack Christians. Throw them in a cage. And throw them in a pool. They don't ask permission. So why do we as Christ followers. With the message of life. Sit back and say. I just need. I just need to know that I can. Why? The second thing. And we need to do is we need to stop making excuses. If there's a reason that you can give me that you're not following God's plan for your life, I want you to understand this clearly. It's an excuse. It's an excuse. If you say, well, I can't forgive them because that's an excuse. I can't do that because it's an excuse. Because if God, the God of the universe, asked you to do it, do you not think he understands your circumstances? He does. You see, in that hospital room in October of 2008, as Charity Tillman breathed again, her lungs having been through the miracle of surgery and transplant, been transformed inside of her body. You see, the question wasn't whether she would breathe again. The question was, would she sing again? You see, all the tubing that they had to install just to keep her alive, should have obliterated her vocal cords. One of the leading surgeons at John Hopkins was called in to her transplant, a 40-hour surgery where she died three times on the operating room table. He was called in to try to save her vocal cords. And he literally looked at the circumstances threw his hands up, walked out of the OR and said, I can't do this. There's no way. And so her attending surgeon, in a last-ditch effort, went in and performed a surgery that had never been done before to bypass her vocal cords in an attempt to keep her singing. Because life... Life for her was more than just being able to breathe. And for you today, life for you is much more than just breathe. How are are you going to sing? How is your life going to come alive? How are you going to wake up to what God wants to do in you? Because there was nothing left for her to do besides breathing, except to sing. That was the next step, and everybody knew it. Today, she is one of the most prolific opera singers on the planet, having been saved, held. And I believe that in the same way, God can save us in our lives. Bring us back to life and awaken us to a new life with him. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for today. What a powerful invitation to know that, God, you you have offered us life. And we have the chance today to step into it. We have the chance to step into it. Life and death will hang in the balance of the way that we decide. If we choose to reject what you're doing in our lives right now, God, death. But if we'll receive it and respond, we can experience your life in us. And So God, we just ask you right now, help us, God, help us to look into your heart to see what you're calling us to do. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you a question today. If Jesus isn't the one making the shots, calling the shots, making the decisions in your life, Jesus is not leading you. And while God does want to be our friend, that is a great part of this relationship. The invitation of Scripture is not just to make him a friend, but for him to be your Lord and your Savior. The term Lord means that he is the one calling the shots. And the word Savior describes what he has done as he calls the shots to rescue us and redeem us. If you're the person that's in here right now and you know Jesus is my friend, but Jesus is not my Lord, right now is the moment you decide to say, I am tired of playing with this. I want a real, authentic relationship with God where He is the one leading me. If that's you, raise your hand right now. I have one more question there's a lot of us in here that we know that along the way we've heard God's voice God's asked us to forgive somebody that we've said no to God's asked us to be generous and we've said no to it God's asked us to do something with our life and we've said no to it (coughs) that's you and you're here today and just between you and God right now you want to say God I'm tired of rejecting you, I'm tired of living with death in this area of my life, I'm going to choose you I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, raise your hand if that's you right now Amen So God we just thank you for the invitation that you've given us to experience life and we ask it today by your grace and mercy that life would be infused in us. God, give us the heart transplant that we need. Help us not only to come alive and breathe, but to sing with our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.